The following audio has been brought to you by Word of Grace Community Church. For more information about Word of Grace, visit wogcc.com. We're going to start a brand new series today called Parenting on Point. That's the name of the series, and the title of my message this morning is Winning, because we want to know when we're winning as parents. How do we know when we're doing this thing right? And as we kick off this series, I don't want you to check out on me if you're not a parent. If you're a student, if you're a grandparent, if you're an aunt, if you're an uncle, it doesn't matter how old or young you are, do not check out on me because every one of us has influence. Every one of us. We all have influence at some level. It doesn't matter if it's in your neighborhood. It doesn't matter if it's with family members, with a spouse. It doesn't matter if it's at school or if it's at work. Everywhere we go, God has given us influence. And one of the things that we believe has been kind of a vision focus for us this year as a church is we believe God's called us to awaken to the fact that we have influence. We have to wake up to the reality that this life that we are called to live is one that God is putting us in strategic locations where we live, where we work, where we do business, even restaurants we'll go and eat at or places that we'll visit where God puts us in divine moments, divine opportunities that He has orchestrated for us us to use the influence of the gospel working on the inside of us to influence another person's heart. And we believe that God wants every one of us to do that, whether you're a parent or not. Now, we're going to talk about some things throughout this two-part series that are going to be parent-specific, that are really going to help give some practical guidance from Scripture on how we are to do this thing, to give us the courage to be able to parent and know when we're doing this thing right. But I believe that every one of us, regardless of who you are, has influence. Wouldn't you agree? I think that the biggest question on every parent's heart is, am I truly doing this right? I have an almost 13-year-old son and twin 11-year-old daughters, and let me tell you something. I constantly wonder, am I doing this thing right? You know, you look for a little glimmer of hope somewhere to kind of be able to go, yes, I made a good decision there, but what about all these other things? Because It's not like every child just has their own pre-printed instruction manual that they come with. And with us guys, even if there was an instruction manual, we wouldn't read it because we just try to put things together. But let me tell you, I believe that God, through His Holy Spirit and through the Word of God, gives us the tools that we need to be able to parent each one of our children, to be able to influence each one of your grandchildren, your nieces, your nephews, your family members, your friends. And I believe that when a parent gets better, the family wins. Do you believe that? When a parent gets better, the whole family wins. We have to invest in developing parenting skills. Parenting is a skill. It is not something that we just come pre-wired knowing how to do everything. And like any skill in life, you have to develop it. You have to sharpen it. You have to get better at it. So that means we need to grow and invest in our skills as parents because we believe that when a parent gets better, that the whole family is going to win. And if families win, then neighborhoods win. And if neighborhoods win, then all of a sudden we begin to see cities transformed. We begin to see our nation transform because people make the decision to make an intentional investment in their growth as a family. When you spend time strengthening your parenting skills, everyone wins, and you have to see the value in investing in order to make the necessary sacrifices and adjustments in your schedule and in your life so you can invest. There have been a lot of times that I've been to numerous conferences 
where it's a leadership conference, it's a church conference, a marriage conference, a financial conference, 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 conference. And they all have resources there because the speakers want to sell their books and they want you to sign up on their website for their program. They want you to read their blog. And I get all of these notebooks filled with all these ideas and I spend all this money buying all these books and get all excited about it and then they collect a lot of dust. And that's how we do oftentimes. We'll get excited in the moment when we're talking about something, but man, when it comes to the next day when you're not in that environment and you have to actually follow through and you have to follow up and you have to actually do something with this thing you just really got pumped about, that's a different story. But you have found it to be true that when you do take those practical next steps that you begin to grow, you begin to get sharpened. And it's the same thing with parenting. When we hear a message like what you're going to hear today and then next week also, we believe that if you will not only just be a hearer of this thing, but a doer of it, that it is going to change the landscape of your family. But you've got to see the value in it. If you don't see the value in investing, you will never make the sacrifices necessary. We understand this in a lot of other areas in our lives, and the same rings true of parenting. We see this ring true in our finances. Hey, if I want to get better at handling money, I need to learn because I'm not just going to grow into it. We have this misconception. We think that as life goes on, we'll just naturally get better at things. That is not true. As life goes on, you can naturally dig out a deeper rut that will sink yourself deeper and deeper and deeper, and then next thing you know, you're not moving forward at all, and you're spinning your wheels, and you're wondering why nothing is changing, because you've carved out for yourself a deep rut of bad decisions, and then guess what you do with the rut you've created? You hand it to your kids, and they're stuck in the same rut from the beginning, and then they hand it to their kids, and you have these generational cycles of being stuck in a certain value system or a certain hang-up of way of thinking. And then people begin to say, well, my dad was angry, so I guess that's why I'm angry, and I guess my kids are angry because they were, uh, my dad was angry, and we're just an angry family. I guess that we just all struggle with worry. We're just a bunch of worriers because my mom was a worrier. I'm a worrier. My kids worry about everything. We say these things like it's okay. And it's not okay. It's us getting stuck in a rut and us carving out unhealthy patterns that we as parents have a job to do that has been given to us by God that He wants us to get out of the rut and He wants us to, to develop healthy patterns. But these things don't just happen because your wheels are spinning. And I'll tell you one of the things I noticed. We, uh, uh, we recently, over the past few months, have brought in a, a foster son in our home, and we have a little five-year-old foster child. And one of the things I've noticed having a five-year-old in my house is I forgot what five was like. <laughs> I straight up forgot about five. And I'm going, oh, yeah, because I, I expected him to operate like an 11-year-old. But he doesn't operate like an 11-year-old. He operates like a five-year-old. And I had to remind myself what that was like because it showed me something that I had kind of been missing out on. It showed me how quickly my kids had gotten to the age that they're at. And I was like, oh my goodness. And I was like, well, where are my kids going to be in five years? You know where they're going to be? One of them's going to be almost 18 and the other one's going to be 16. What? In five years? That's five. That's five. Are you kidding me? So much change happens in such a short time. We don't have time to be spinning our wheels hoping we just get better because we get older. 
We're not a fine wine. We don't get better with age. We get better with intentionality. That's what makes us better. We get better when we're intentional. And when a parent decides to intentionally invest in developing parenting skills, they get better. Everyone wins. Same thing with your marriage. When you invest in your marriage, when you invest in your relationship with God, when you invest in becoming a, a better steward of your finances, when you invest intentionally, man, you will get better. And when you get better, everyone wins. Now, one of the things that we have done with our family is in our community group that meets every week, we went through a parenting study that we did as a community group. We actually went through Doug Field's intentional parenting study. That was one of the first things everybody wanted to do. You can do something like that where you make an intentional investment in your family by starting a community group, by being a part of something that's already teaching regular parenting skills. Because everything you need to know, you're not going to hear today in this sermon. It's, it's a good sermon, but it's not that great to where you're going to hear everything you need to know, okay? But everything that you need to know is going to be a continual learning. It's going to be a continual investing because you realize you have influence, because you realize that you're called to this, because you realize you have a responsibility, and you see that you want to do this thing in a way that would please God and that would honor Him. And if you want to start a community group or be a part of a community group, go out to the wall and see what's available. And if you don't see something out there that really flips your switch or that makes sense, maybe God would challenge you to start a community group. If that's you, you can always receive the training and the tools necessary. You can contact Pastor Keith. We'll put his information up there so you guys can write it down. He is our community group's director. That's part of his role as our executive pastor is to really run our community group structure here in church, which we believe is a great way to get connected and to get discipled in a relation, uh, relational atmosphere. And guess what? We'll put the tools in your hand and we'll teach you how to use them. And so if you're saying, man, I don't know how to do this, don't worry. We want to help you learn how to do this because we believe that it's valuable for the people of God to step up and say, yeah, I'm willing to learn to help other people grow. And if God is putting that on your heart for you to learn to help other people grow, maybe you're a person that you're, you're already a, in the grandparent stage. That would be awesome for you to invest in younger parents because these folks, man, let me tell you, some of us had really great examples, didn't we? Some of us had great examples of parents and some of us didn't have a very good example at all. And I don't know which extreme you fall on. Maybe you had a, a great set of parents that taught you everything you needed to know, showed you the way, really invested in you intentionally, and maybe you had absent parents. Maybe they didn't, they weren't even Christians, or maybe they weren't around. Whatever the case may be, it doesn't matter what life has handed you, because not everyone has had the best example, but everyone has the opportunity to get better. I want you to hear that. Not everyone had the best example, but everyone has the opportunity to get better. Don't make an excuse of why, you're, of why your wheels are spinning and why you're stuck in a rut. Don't use that as a crutch or as an excuse or a cop-out. Everyone has the opportunity to get better. I want to give you a few books that you could write down that have been really helpful for me, just uh, that have been great resources. Um, the Have a New Kid by Friday. I don't know if you buy that book on Thursday if it works. I don't know. Uh, that gives you, I don't know if there's like a certain amount of time, like you're supposed to buy it on Saturday. Either way, Have a New Kid by Friday by Kevin Lehman is a great book. Grace-Based Parenting by Tim Kimmel. The Smart Step Family. Now, this isn't one that I have read, but if you are in a blended family and you're looking for resources, how do we manage? 
advantage having a blended family? Uh, how do I become a, a good step-parent? Or how do I treat this child who is uh, my stepchild uh, that isn't my biological child? Uh, man, let me tell you, uh, I've looked through these resources, and I think that that book is a great one for you. Um, the fourth one that I want to recommend is Parental Guidance Required by Andy Stanley. And I think these are all great resources. But the main thing we need to catch through learning how to win as parents is not to sell ourselves short when it comes to our influence. Don't sell your influence short. Grandparents, aunts, uncles, cousins, friends, don't think that because you're not the biological parents or because you have adult children that you don't have influence. I was a youth pastor for seven years, and that's kind of where I got my start in ministry. And when I was in youth ministry, I would regularly have parents come to me and share things with me like, boy, I sure am glad that my kids have you in their lives because they just don't listen to me. Man, could you, Pastor Derek, could you go talk to my kid because I can't talk to him about this because they just don't listen to me. I just don't have a very good relationship with them. I would hear things like that all the time. It'd break my heart because these parents had thrown their hands up in the air and said, here you go, Pastor Derek. I remember one time we, we were selling fireworks uh, because we did that as a fundraiser. We ran fireworks stands and we sold the little M80, like a little, you know, stick of dynamite, you know, basically. And this kid wanted to go and pop the fireworks that was in my youth group, and his dad told him no, and so he said, well, I'm going to find a way to do this, and since that stuff had a wax-coated fuse on it, you could, you know, light it and throw it underwater, and it still would blow up. So he thought it would be a cool idea to throw it in the toilet. <laughs> I don't know if we have any Kohler engineers in the room, but uh, if you put a, a little stick of dynamite into one of your products, it will blow up. And it will, uh, you know, crumble into pieces. And that's exactly what happened. Guess what? I got the call and the dad asked me, you know, what am I teaching these kids? And asked me, why am I not teaching these kids better? And I got in trouble for that from this dad. He called to chew me out. And I said, um, sir, you're the dad. I'm not his dad. I'm his youth pastor. I see him for like an hour and a half a week. You know, you're with him every day. But he had thrown his hands up in the air and said, here, you raise them. Sometimes we do this. I, I'm not against Christian schools. I think Christian schools are great, but sometimes we even do that with Christian schools. Here, you raise them. I don't know what to do because we don't think we have any influence. We throw our hands up in the air and we go, oh, I guess I'm just out. You know, I'll, I'll tag the youth pastor. I'll tag the Christian school. I'll tag the church. All right, you guys are it. I want to bring my kids to church because I want them to grow up in God, uh, godliness and I want them to learn about God and all those things. Man, listen, don't bring your kids to church because you want them to learn about God. Bring your kids to church so they can connect and grow in a Christian and a healthy environment with other believers, but they should be learning about God from you. We love them being here. We love them learning and we want them to learn and grow. But if this is the only education your kids are getting about who God is, they're not going to have a sufficient understanding of who God is. You've got to show them. You've got to teach them. You've got to live it out. Amen? But until you see yourself as an influencer in your kid's life and you believe in the value of parenting and raising your kids, you won't make the necessary investment to get better. You'll just hope everybody else does it for you. That's not how it works. You are the parent. Mom and dad, you are the mom and dad. You are put in this role for this reason. Everyone else is here to help. Church is here to help. Christian school is here to help. We want to reinforce those things, but we are not the sole provider of those things. You are, because it's your responsibility. Don't sell your influence short. 
the more seriously you take the influence you've been given, the more of an impact you're going to make. If you take this thing seriously, you will make a bigger impact if you just feel overwhelmed and feel like you just uh, uh, are, are just failing at everything and you never make adjustments and necessary investments to grow and get better, you're, you're going to sell yourself short and the enemy is going to whisper in your ear, you're not doing a good job, you're failing, why don't you just give up because your kids aren't like so-and-so's kids. Didn't you see that picture-perfect thing on Instagram they posted the other day? Oh yeah, why is my family not like that? You don't know what their family was like either. You don't know what circus it took to put that picture together. All you do is see the picture and you go, oh, how come my life's not like theirs? You don't know what it took to pull that off. You weren't there. Don't sell yourself short. Don't compare yourself to other people. Don't compare yourself and say, oh, well, you know, I'm not like the so-and-so, or at least I'm doing a better job than so-and-so. That's not the measuring stick. That's not how we're supposed to know whether or not we're winning at parenting. We need to go to the Word of God and take this thing seriously. Matthew 25, we're going to look at verse 14. Jesus gave a parable here in Matthew 25 and verse 14. He says, it's going to be like a man going on a journey who called his servants, and he entrusted them with his property. He gave one of his servants five talents, and another one he gave two, each one according to his own ability, and then there was one guy he just gave one to. He who had received the five talents, he went away and he immediately doubled it. He made uh, ten. So there also was the one who had two talents, came back, he made two talents more. Verse 18, but he who had received the one, he went away and dug his master's money and hid it in the ground. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them, and he came and had received the five talents. He said, "Uh, here, I've gained you five talents more. And his master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will make you ruler over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also had said to the one with two talents, come forward. And he said, master, you've given me two. Look, I've made two talents more. Verse 23, his master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. For you have been faithful over a little. I will set you uh, over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He who also had received the one talent came forward. And he said, master, I knew you to be a hard man. You reaped where you didn't sow. You gather where you hadn't scattered seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, take what's yours. But his master answered him, said, You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown, and that I gather where I have not scattered seed. Then you have ought to invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For everyone who has will more be given. Excuse me. And he will have an abundance, but from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into outer darkness in that place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. God takes this handing responsibility to us stuff seriously. If he hands us responsibility and says, here, you are going to be responsible for this. Here, I'm trusting you with something that you uh, have been given, that you're being blessed with. Now, you have to steward it or be responsible for it or manage it well because I'm expecting a return on my investment. I'm expecting you to, to do something with what I have given you. And the Bible says that children are a gift from the Lord, are they not? We know that children are a gift from the Lord that He has given us to steward as responsible stewards. And we have to intentionally invest just like those three men had a decision with what they were going to do with what God had given them. 
Am I going to make something out of this? Am I going to put intentional time and do something with it? Or am I just going to go, I, I give up. I don't know what to do with this. Some people do that with their kids. Just like the, the servant that went out and, and dug a hole and buried the money. He's just like, I just, I'm hoping for the best. I'm at least hoping that he doesn't get mad at me. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping maybe we'll have a relationship when they're an adult. Uh, don't know what to do. I'm not going to make any necessary efforts, but I just hope this works out. I hope they're a good kid. I just I hope this thing works out. And then the Lord says, what are you doing with what I've given you? The two that doubled the money, what happened was they made some intentional decisions. It just didn't happen. It wasn't, these guys just didn't get lucky. A lot of people think that, oh, wow, you must be so lucky. Look at how your kids treat you. No, that's not luck. That's intentionality. That's relationship. That's investment. It's not luck. Oh, wow, I wish my life was perfect like yours. Look at how your kids interact with you. Yeah, that was work. Just like the guy who had the five talents who got five more, he didn't get lucky. That was an investment. He was being intentional because he knew that the master was trusting him with something. And he took that responsibility seriously. Our children are a gift from God, and that responsibility is to be taken seriously. What are we investing in them? What are we influencing them with? This is a serious responsibility. We have a role. And our role is that parents should protect, they should equip, and they should release their children. That's our role. We need to protect them, we need to equip them, and then we need to release them. Some of those influences that are in your kids' lives, you can protect them from when they're younger. You can you know, monitor what TV shows they watch, how much they watch. You can keep them away from certain friends or video games or certain things you can kind of shelter them and protect them from. But as they get older, your role transitions from being this primary protector to really being this person that's making sure that all along this way you've been equipping them so you can release them. There's other elements you can't control. You can't control what happens at school, what other kids say. You can't control what they say. But you hope that the equipping and the investment and the intentionality is going to pay off in those circumstances when they're challenged or tempted to do something wrong. Too many parents want to protect their children to the extent that the child is ill-equipped to deal with decisions. They are overprotective. They don't ever let their children fail or make mistakes. They never let them feel the sting of a bad decision because they always want to go and bail them out. They try to continue to control and protect when they really need to spend more time trying to equip the child and give them the opportunity to make decisions. I saw this modeled a few years ago. Those of you that have been around Word of Grace for a while, you'll remember we used to have basketball cage, uh, cages and a ping pong cage out here in what's now our commons area. And if you remember that, you, you would have remembered that big red cage where the ping pong table was as well as the big chain link fence cage with the basketball court. And those two cages were real close together. And there was a space of probably about eight, nine inches that was in between those two, uh, uh, two cages. And one day, I was talking to a friend of mine who shall go unnamed, and his child who also shall go unnamed, and the child had wedged himself, this little four or five-year-old child had wedged himself in between those two cages and was like this, Dad! <laughs> Dad, help! Help! And me and the dad were talking, and it seemed to not bother the dad. 
And, and I'm sitting here going, what am I going to do about this? And I'm trying to think as the pastor, you know, like I'm, I go immediately like into pastor mode, like, oh, we got to fix this because that's kind of my default is wanting to fix stuff. And I go, okay, we got to fix this. How are we going to fix this? And I thought, okay, you know, well, if we tore this whole thing down, that's not going to work. What are we going to do? You know, I'm trying to, you know, figure out how we can get this child out. And he just goes, you got yourself in there. Get yourself out. He's just so chill. Yeah, just get yourself out. And he goes back to talking to me. And the kid's still in there. <laughs> and lo and behold, guess what happened? He got out. A lot of times, we as parents, when our children are in a situation, we want to immediately rescue them, and we want to go get the bolt cutters and cut the cage apart to rescue them, get them out of that. When you know what? You really need to learn from this. And guess what? That child never went in between those cages again. <laughs> and there was an interesting conversation that happened after that child got out too, where the dad sat down and explained to the child why that was a poor decision. But he didn't just bail him out. Only you know when your child is mature enough to be given those types of freedoms, but the older they get, the more difficult it's going to be for you to control and protect because they need to be equipped and released. And you've got to learn that this is your role. Yeah, there's a certain elements you protect. And, and you know what? My kids, there was a time in their lives that if I didn't hold their hand walking across the street, that they would have gotten hit by a car many a times. And if I wouldn't have been there to say, stop, that they would have just ran out and probably would have gotten hit by a car or something. There's many times they needed that. Now, they don't need that. If I'm still doing that, if I'm still trying to parent at that level, then I'm missing something. I need to equip them. So when I had to tell them to stop or when I had to hold their hand, I need to instruct them, give them uh, some, some understanding of why we're stopping, why we're looking, explaining these things to them so that when they're in this situation, they'll know how to use good judgment and make good decisions. But if I always do it for them, if I always just hold their hand, they're never going to learn to walk by themselves. And so many parents miss this because every time their child gets into a situation, you want to go and talk to the principal at school. You want to go and try to fix the problem. You want to blame somebody else for the issue. Even when your kids get older and maybe get their first job, when they get their first job and the boss, you know, kind of jumps down their throat for showing up late, you want to go jump down the boss's throat. That's not appropriate. You have to let that child grow up and begin to make some of their own decisions, and you know they really want to make their own decisions. They don't want you to have to be there to hold their hand the whole time. They want you to equip them because that's your job. Your job is to equip them. Now, if they need some advice, you can give them some advice, some counsel. You'll always be there for that. But it's not your job to just always shelter and protect because people go out on one extreme or the other, I think, sometimes when kids are, are, are younger. They either go all the way to the extreme of wrapping their kid in, you know, bubble wrap and a helmet and elbow pads and knee pads and sending them outside to play for five minutes while, you know, they've got their drones flying above watching so they can make sure everything's fine. And you've got 911 already dialed in just in case. You've got that extreme, and then you've got the other extreme where the person just grabs the kid, just, you know, uh, throws them into situations they're not ready for and tells them to figure it out when they're way too young to be in those types of situations. 
So we have to be balanced in our approach, and we have to spend time with our child to learn our child. So that way we can parent them. And, and, and each one of them is different, aren't they? Isn't that weird? Man, you kids are weird. Like, you're all different. Every one of you, you're all different. Like, we thought, oh, we had one. We'll just do this the same way next time. No, that's not how it works. It's like, surprise, different. <clears throat> Thanks for that. But we have to learn when they're ready for certain things and when they're not. And kids are going to love when you empower them and you trust them and you, you, you make that investment and you build confidence in them. That's how you know that you're winning as a parent is when you're investing intentionally, not just sheltering them and then one day they're supposed to go to college and, or they're supposed to go out into the workforce or get married and they're supposed to be equipped to do these things. No, not a chance. They're, they're going to be back at your house before you know it if that's your plan. Your plan should be to, yes, protect, but equip and then release. Scripture tells us this in Genesis 2 and 24, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Man's supposed to leave his father and mother. That word leave means get out. You're supposed to leave. Amen. That's right. I thought somebody would holler at me. You are supposed to leave. In other words, I'm taking everything that you have taught me, given me, shown me, and I'm now going to step out into adulthood and use what I've been given and what I will learn from that point as a foundation to begin to make wise decisions as an adult or learn from my mistakes and all those things. Proverbs 22 and 6 says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he won't depart from it. Train up a child in the way he's supposed to go. This is an intentional investment. It's a responsibility we have. Psalm 127 and 4 says, Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Our children are supposed to be like arrows. No one just aimlessly shoots arrows. If you do that, somebody's going to get hurt. Somebody's going to get hurt if you just go around shooting arrows like a crazy person. No, you have to aim that arrow intentionally. That means there's a desired goal. There's a desired target. There's something that we're shooting for here, something we want to see happen. So we're going to be very intentional with the way we aim our children. You win at parenting by intentionally investing in your children. That's how you win. You just don't stop investing. You don't go, oh, well, you know, they're getting older. Uh, I, you know, they're, they're not as interested. I'm just not cool anymore. And don't try to just be cool to win your child's relationship back. No, just keep investing. Just keep investing. Find different ways to invest in them. As they get older, trust them with more. Release them a little bit more. Give them more freedoms. But also keep investing too. Don't stop. Your role is not done when they can drive a car. Keep investing. Keep investing. Your role is not done when they get a job or when they, you know, go to middle school. No, keep investing. Even when you're not cool. Hey, I'm okay with not being cool. I get it, all right? I have enough people around me that regularly remind me I am not cool, all right? And I'm okay with that. But so many parents are not okay with that. They want approval from their children. Your job is not to earn your child's uh, approval and for them to pat you on the back and say, you know what, you're a good mom you're a good dad. That's not the goal. That's not your role. Your role is to give them what they need. And then years later, at some point, they will thank you for it. Because the Bible does say that, you know, uh, about the, that type of parent, that her children will rise up and call her blessed. 
because they recognize what she's invested. They recognize what she's done or what he's done. They'll see that. But we win at parenting by intentionally investing in our children. I want to give you 12 quick ways, and you can write these down to invest in your kids. Number one, encourage regularly. We oftentimes will tell our kids when they're doing something bad. Do we ever tell them when they're doing something good? Do we tell them when they're doing something right? Let's tell them when they do stuff right, more than, than just always saying no or don't do it that way. Now let's tell them when they're doing it right. Number two, show interest in what they're interested in. Oh man, let me tell you, when I was putting this sermon together and I wrote that down, I got a little convicted because I like my kids being interested in the things I'm interested in. Like when I was uh, going to Milwaukee Bucks games all the time, hey, who wants to go to the Bucks game with dad? I wanted them to be all jazzed about it. And they were like, eh, we kind of rather stay home and watch TV. What? When I was your age, I would have killed to be able to go to something like that. I want them, I want them so bad to be into what I was into. And they, th- some things they like that I like, but not everything. And they're not as into it as I am. And so instead of me going, oh, I'm disconnected from my children, no, I need to be interested in what they're interested in. Find out what they're liking, you know? And then get interested in it. So you can have a conversation with them. So you can show them that you care about what they care about. Number three, have fun together. I know that's overtly simple, but my goodness. So many times we're all about business with our kids. We just either are the one that's always disciplining them. We're the ones that are always giving them instruction or correction. Or we're always telling them something to do. Instead of just having fun. Just let loose and have fun with them. Do something fun with your kids. Number four, work together. Man, working together can also be fun. What? Yeah, it can. Um, I'll tell you, this last uh, weekend, my kids and I, we cleaned out all the dead stuff in our flower beds. And uh, we're pulling all the weeds, make room for the new growth and the green is kind of starting to come through. And so we made a big fire and we burned all this stuff and they thought that was awesome. And so they love throwing stuff in the fire and we were pulling out all this dead stuff. And now they've kind of taken ownership over it, even though it took us a few hours to clean up all the dead stuff out of there and get ready for, you know, spring, you know, in May. Um, but, uh, but now that when friends come over, if they try to get in our flower beds, our kids will go, no, don't walk on the flower beds. Get out. You're going to step on our new growth. You see this green right here? You can't step on that. That's our new growth here, see? They take an ownership over it. They had fun working together. Number five, be affectionate. Man, we have to be affectionate with our kids. There is so much power in touch and uh, just loving our children and hugging them, you know, um, holding their hand, letting them know. Even as my kids get older, my daughters still love to hold my hand. Um, and uh, we went to a movie the other night. And uh, when we were at the movie theater, I had the circulation in my left arm was completely cut off because my daughter was just wrapped up around my left arm. And I was tempted to take it away because I was uncomfortable. I was like, oh, she's got me really tight there. And, you know, I'm like, man, I'm kind of uncomfortable. But at the same time, I thought, I, I don't, I, I just want to let her know I love her. So I just, you know, just rubbed her with my other hand on, on her shoulder and just let her know I loved her. And just sitting there just snuggling with her, thought, I, I don't know how many more of those moments I'm going to have as a dad with my young child there, you know, so I treasure those things. Be affectionate with them. Number six, help them to develop independent living skills. Oh, yes, please do this. <laughs> Remember, your job is to protect, equip, and release. And so these, these people, they need independent living skills. One of the things that my parents did not teach me, and I'm not criticizing my parents because I learned, but I had to learn the hard way. I didn't know how to balance a checkbook. When I was 18 years old, I moved out. I had never had a checking account. I had never been taught how to uh, reconcile all of my transactions, and I didn't know how to do that. 
I had to learn a lot of those things the hard way, financial management. We actually took a poll a couple of years ago in our youth group, and we asked the students when we were going through a series in our youth ministry here at Word of Grace, we were asking them, what are some things that you guys would like to learn about? And the number one thing was money management. Number one thing that the teenagers said that they felt like they were ill-prepared for as they were looking at graduating high school. They felt like they did not know how to handle money. Mom and Dad, what a great opportunity. I sit down with my kids and I pay the bills. I'll show them. This is why this money goes here. I let them see that stuff and I show them this is how we do this. My kids are very interested in, in the value of a dollar and they want to know why this costs this much. And they're trying to equate value with a dollar amount in their head because they're just now starting to understand the true value of a dollar and oh that's a lot of money you know so they can understand when we say that's a lot of money that makes sense to them now instead of it just being mom and dad you know don't have the money it's just no that's a lot of money we're not going to spend our money there they understand the valuation of what's a good deal what's a bad deal Teach your kids these things. Involve them. They want to be involved, and they want to learn these things. Include them in those things. Um, number seven, set goals with your spouse for your children and evaluate those goals. And don't compare your parenting to other people's parenting. Don't compare your kids to other kids. Don't even compare your own kids to one another. Don't do this. Instead of comparing, set individual goals for each one of the kids. Don't say, well, Susie's goal is to be like, you know, your other daughter. That's not cool. It's not fair. They're different people, as stated earlier. I have twin girls. I have to treat them completely different because they both have different love languages. The one cares about things the other one doesn't care about. You know, there's things that they get excited about the other one doesn't. There's uh, tendencies that one has that the other one doesn't. And I had to learn them and treat them as individuals and, 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 and instead of just looking at them as just the same person because they're very different personalities and different uh, gifts that God has given us. So set goals. What are your, our goals for these kids? What are the things that we want to see happen in their lives? Discipline and set healthy boundaries and enforce them. Don't threaten. This is probably one of the biggest ones for me that I see happening a lot in the lives of families is a lot of threats, a lot of threats and very poor follow through. And I think that there's a huge amount of threats because either A, we don't want to be the bad guy or B, we're too lazy and it's too inconvenient to actually follow through. If just being real. And I think that we're doing our kids a big disservice because we're teaching them that our word doesn't mean a whole heck of a lot. And we're teaching them that we don't really follow through and we're not real serious. And sometimes, mom and dad, when we discipline, we're actually disciplining ourselves too. And that's the hard part. Especially when you go, all right, no TV for the rest of the day. The TV's not getting turned on again. And you're like, oh, man, I just punished myself. <laughs> but you know that it's worth it. You know it's the right decision to make. And so you have to stick by it and not fudge on those things and just say, hey, we're if I said I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. How many times, I mean, it seems like sometimes parents can't even count to three. You know, don't make me say three. I'm not sure you can say it. <laughs> and I'm not really sure what happens if you do say it. But three is like got to be the worst number on the planet in a child's mind. They're like three that my parents don't want to say it. But oftentimes we say, don't make me say three. Don't make me say three. One, two. What are we doing when we do that? We're, uh, oftentimes is that we're just making empty threats. Uh, Mom and dad, we got to do a better job. We need to step up, and if we're going to give out consequences, hey, I know it's hard, but we got to give out consequences. 
And I know it hurts us to see our child disappointed that they can't go to the thing they wanted to go to or they have to miss out on this or miss out on that or receive that type of punishment, but it's for their good. It's for their good. They are learning that there are consequences to bad decisions. And we want our kids to make good decisions and we love them and we want to teach them and help them grow. We want to give them freedom to make mistakes and learn from them. So when they do make mistakes, help them learn from them. Sit down with them and help them learn. Don't just delve out a punishment or give a scowl or change the tone of your voice. Sit down with them and explain why. Help them understand why this is a bad decision and give them an opportunity to reevaluate it and assess it. And what would you do differently if we could do this again? You know, now that you know what you know, or now that you've made the decision and you experienced the consequence, going back, what would you do differently? Talk to them about that. Number 11, involve and empower them to make decisions. Uh, I think that's huge. We've got to involve them and not just keep them on the outside. Uh, number 11, we'll model for them and involve them in positive habits that will help them grow. Model for them your relationship with Jesus. I think that's the biggest modeling that we could do for our kids. Don't you agree? And invest in your own relationship with Jesus. So they see you spending time with the Lord. They see that a Bible is not just a decorative book in our house, but it's something that's actually opened and read See that prayer is not just something that we do at church on Sunday. Let them see that it's something we do together as a family. Be intentional about that. Even if you mess up along the way, and even if you're inconsistent along the way, set a goal and work towards it and push through the tiredness. Push through the fact that your show's on TV and, oh, yeah, we got to pray with the kids. No, stop. Make the better choice. And, and, and let yourself know, I'm doing this because I'm being an intentional parent, and I want to I win at this parenting thing and do it right. And then uh, number uh, 12 is to be transparent. When you make mistakes, let your kids know you made a mistake. Just confess it to them. I do that with my kids. Tell them, guys, I'm sorry. I, I lost my cool the other day. I should not, I should not have used that tone with you or uh, I shouldn't have said those things. And I apologize for you and, uh, to you about that. And I ask God to forgive me too for that because that's just not right. And that's not the way we, we act and behave. And I'm going to work on making a better choice uh, next time I'm in that situation. Instead of me making excuses. Oh, well, you just got to understand, Dad's tired and he's edgy, you know, all that. Really? Does a kid have to understand that? That's not fair. Uh, bad behavior is bad behavior. <laughs> There's no excuse for it. And when we do it, just be transparent, be real, and let them know. You made a mistake. Oh, we shouldn't have done that. I'm sorry, guys. They'll respect you more for it. If you want to win at parenting and know you're winning, intentionally invest. Develop your parenting skills. Get support from other parents. Start or join a community group. Um, read a great book like some of the ones I recommended. Set goals for your kids. Take time out of your busy schedule to make intentional decisions of what influences you're going to allow in your home and what influences you're not going to allow in your home. It's not too late. You have influence. Everyone whether you're a parent or not, God can use you to impact someone's life and impart something special to them that will help them throughout their life. We do this intentionally because we take the responsibility God has given us seriously. We're to raise these children, these gifts from God. We're to do it intentionally so that they can live lives that will glorify Him. Amen? Lord, we thank You for this day. We thank you for this opportunity to go through your word and to learn the value system of heaven and how you've given us as your people responsibilities. I pray you help us to live out those things by taking them seriously, taking these responsibilities you've given us seriously and being good stewards of what you've trusted us with, Lord. 
Let us seek you, God, to be able to have that right relationship with you first and foremost, and with our spouse and with our children. God, help us to invest in those relationships, because we truly do believe that when a parent gets better, the entire family wins. Help us to do that, Lord, for your glory, for your kingdom. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this sermon from Word of Grace. For more sermons or any other information, visit wogcc.com.